Welcome to a special In the Money Players podcast. This is the New York Thoroughbred Breeders Edition, focusing on the three stakes races on Friday, August 12th at Saratoga, along with the New York Thoroughbred Breeders Awards, which will be announced on Friday evening. I think it's a whole day at the races planned for anybody who is interested. There are tickets that are available on the New York Thoroughbred Breeders website. We kindly thank the New York Thoroughbred Breeders for their sponsorship and participation here on the In the Money Media Network. Back in May, we did a well, a podcast, special video podcast focusing on the stakes races at Belmont on Memorial Day. We'll have another coming up in a couple of weeks on whatever the program is called on Travers Eve. I always want to call them all New York Bread Showcase Day, but they have their own individual names. So Naja Thompson from the New York Thoroughbred Breeders is going to have to familiarize me. This, of course, is Nick Tamaro. I'm going to be joined by New York Racing Association morning line maker and from Time Form US, David Aragona. David, great to have you with me. Yeah, great to come on and talk about some New York breads. Definitely. You are, are you currently in Saratoga? Yes, I'm up there right now. Uh, so uh, yeah, probably will be there for Friday's racing and all the stakes races that they're running. Be able to take this in. They've now broken it down into a couple of parts. These these three races, to the, as best I could remember, were all run on various weekdays throughout the meet. And now they've combined them to run on, on one card, which I think uh, I think makes for a good time. Yeah, no, it's great to see these New York breads showcased on the same day. Uh, I believe uh, all these races on Friday are for the dirt horses. So we get to see uh, some of those that, uh, you know, have had some stake success over the winter at Aqueduct really shine during the summer at Saratoga. Yeah, exactly. In a couple of weeks, we'll get the uh, the two-year-olds also added in are the Albany and the Fleet Indian at a mile and an eighth. Fingal's Cave, a horse that I'm interested in seeing against a New York bread stake competition after her win against Open Company. But that's in a couple of weeks. What's at hand is what's going to take place on Friday afternoon. So we're going to cover the three stakes, beginning with the John Morrissey handicap that goes as race number three. That's at 2.15 Eastern time. You know, this is an interesting uh, trio of horses, really, I think, that are taking on New York traffic, who's you've installed as a six to five morning line favorite. I will make zero comments about morning lines. I am, have made enough morning lines to know that it is the most thankless job in racing. You, uh, The only thing I'll, I'll only make positive comments. New York traffic looks like a pretty overwhelming favorite here. Do you think he uh, really is at all worth trying to beat? Well, yeah, the thing that jumps out at you about New York traffic is the fact that he's tried New York breads pretty sparingly throughout his career. Uh, The past three times that he's done so uh, since early 2021, they've all resulted in blowout victories where he's looked pretty dominant against his state bread competition. So, I mean, based on that evidence, he's supposed to be pretty tough in this race. I will say that I feel like his recent form looks a little better on paper than I think it actually is. He faced some softer fields towards the springtime and into early summer. And, you know, a lot of people expected him to be second to Jackie's Warrior in that Vanderbilt a couple weeks ago. And he just was a little bit dull that day, lacked some early speed, never really got involved in that race. Obviously not expected to be competitive with Jackie's Warrior, but I think some people would say he was supposed to beat the second and third place finishers in that spot. Now they're wheeling back in just two weeks. I think it's uh, 13 days. So we'll see what we get from him. But I think there are enough reasons to be a little bit skeptical at what's likely to be a short price. I agree. I thought the interesting horse in terms of of one to talk about, um, and and really there's a couple of things going on with him. What do you think now was incredibly good in two starts earlier this year? They were both at Aqueduct. They were both in races that seemed like they were run at pretty moderate early paces. 
Um, and, but the Holly Hughes was, was just a blowout victory. He got 104 buyer speed figure as he had in his prior start. He's now getting blinkers for Rudy Rodriguez, who at the time that we're taping this is still winless. You know, you have that working against him. You also have the concern to me about St. Selby being to his inside. Maybe he's not going to be quite as effective with a horse that he has to kind of latch on to. But I do think that these two on the inside, St. Selby, and what do you think now being in there certainly spice the race up quite a bit. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're likely to be in front of New York traffic early. Not that New York traffic is a need-the-lead type by any means, but uh, he's going to have to do some chasing in this race. And yeah, what do you think now? I don't think I ever really bought those triple-digit buyers that he earned over the winter at Aqueduct. Uh, He got favorable setups both times, particularly when he was riding a rail bias on January 16th. So I thought he was a little dressed up off that form. And obviously, when a horse goes to the sidelines, seemingly in the best form of their career, that's typically not a great sign. And he didn't look the same at parks last time and that was uh, just preceding this cold streak for rudy rodriguez so there are definitely some red flags with that horse and you know i don't want to be too hard on saint selby who has just been in fantastic form since getting back on the dirt a couple starts ago for rob atris i mean he just ran those allowance fields off their feet and i'm not going to be surprised when he tries to do the same thing here breaking from the rail it's a step up in class but i mean he's run some nice speed figures particularly if you look at the time form us numbers for his last couple races um you know enhanced by some fat paces. He's going to be pretty tough in here. I did go to the number four, my boy Tate. Uh, You know, you were mentioning that there's some speed in this race. It feels like he's actually going to get the kind of setup that would benefit him. I don't know if he's the same horse that he once was, you know, at his peak in 2018, 2019, 2020. He's probably lost a step at the age of eight, uh, but he still has some some class to him. He's still able to fire a big effort uh, when when he's feeling good. So coming off the layoff, I'm hoping that he's ready to, to fire fresh for Michelle Nevin. Yeah, I thought that he would, excuse me, he was definitely one of the win candidates for sure. It looked to me like a scenario where either St. Selby is faster than what do you think now early and and ends up wiring this field because he, on pace figures, he is faster. And if what do you think now doesn't have the speed that he once had, which is kind of what we're we're concerned about looking at his last start, then I do think that uh, that upgrades the chances of St. Selby as well. I, have, I, of course, picked my boy Tate as well. We did not coordinate before the show, but it felt to me like maybe her Michelle Nevin backing off on him and giving him a little bit of time might actually be beneficial. And again, as you, as you alluded to, he might not really be able to run anymore, but I'm not going to hold the Haynes field against him. Um, that was a day where I thought the, the inside was particularly bad. He was never inside. That was kind of a wonky race. Water's Edge never really seemed like much of a stakes type to me, a stakes winning type, and then ended up winning that race. And interestingly, he hasn't been seen since then. Uh, so I thought maybe my boy Tate could get the best of it pace-wise as well. As you mentioned, New York traffic should be somewhat forwardly placed. We'll see what Jose Gomez does with reggae music man as well i mean there's an argument to be made that there's five speed horses in this race and one closer and in that scenario you're always supposed to take the closer and you never win yeah yeah that, that's kind of how i was looking at it but uh, things are going to have to break right for my boy Tate to be successful here no doubt about it i think we'll get a just reward for our faith if uh, if it can happen let's go to the union avenue handicap which goes as race number six that's at 355 eastern time I thought this race was incredibly competitive. It did not look to me as if there was any type of standout whatsoever. And I think uh, one of the indicators for that is the morning line. We see three horses basically that you kind of have have put in that will vie for favoritism. They're all sort of the second string sprint New York bred sprinting types, um, obviously with no make mischief, no bank sting in here, um, no the important one either. We're talking about Secret Love, Mashney Girl, and Bank on Anna. What did you think of this Union Avenue? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know where some of these New York breads are, where else they're planning to run that they would skip this spot. But uh, that dance in Renee that they ran at the end of June at Belmont just came up a much tougher race than this Union Avenue, which is in the same division for these Philly and Mare sprinters. Um, so yeah, you kind of have some horses that weren't really competitive that day as major contenders in this race. And I guess the most reliable of them feels like Secret Love for John Kimmel, uh, a horse that I can't say I've ever been the biggest fan of, but she just seems like a really good fit in this spot. Uh, she's actually run reasonably well in some tougher spots recently, like you were saying, behind horses like Bang Sting and Make Mischief. Uh, she tried a much tougher optional claimer last time against open company and wasn't really competitive that day but watching the replay she was trying i mean she was running you know putting forth her usual good effort just couldn't quite uh, make up ground on those horses it feels like she's just supposed to work out a pretty good trip in this race from mid-pack, and I thought she was super logical. I didn't want it to default to a short price, though, because uh, I do feel like she could go favored here, and uh, I, I don't want to take a horse like her that I haven't had much of an affinity for when she's going to be a short price, looking so logical. Uh, the horse that I was kind of interested in is actually a different horse that was coming out of that dance in Renee, and that's the number one Snicket. Uh, watching that race back, she was a huge price that day and just kind of got this wide trip in no man's land out four wide all the way around the turn. Uh, didn't really look like she was ever uh, really ridden to win that day. Not saying that like Trevor McCarthy didn't exert an effort, but I mean, he was riding a 46 to one shot and uh, it just kind of sitting out there. Uh, she didn't finish that strongly, but like we were saying, those were much better horses and drawn the inside here. I feel like they're going to have to be much more aggressive with her. This pace scenario looks a little bit murky, Matt Ashney Girl is a bit of a speed, but more of a route speed. So I think that Snicket's going to go forward from the inside. Again, not a horse that I've ever loved, but I feel like she's going to be a decent price in this race. I like the job that David Duggan does, and I'm not going to be surprised when she fires a good effort here. Yeah, I thought you could definitely make a case for her. One horse I wanted to ask you about, I know you've opined a couple of times on social media about the private purchase or the, the <laughs> auction purchase of Eloquent, Eloquent Speaker, who's now back in the care of Natalia Lynch. She actually exits the same race that Secret Love does that you mentioned a little bit before. She did absolutely no running in that race at all. But for Natalia Lynch, Eloquent Speaker ran a race on January 2nd that if she runs in here, she's going to win by the length of the stretch. Yeah, I mean, Natalia Lynch has quietly done a pretty good job with her small stable over the past year, and uh, she just made a very shrewd move with this horse, getting her into form immediately off the claim for 45000 last December, putting her in that Horses of Racing Age sale after her stakes placing in the Lava Dodd, uh, selling her to Gary Barber for $200,000. I mean, she just really made out like a bandit with this horse. And uh, I mean, it's not her fault that the horse has kind of fallen apart since then. It's a little bit hard to recommend Eloquent Speaker off her recent form. And it is worth pointing out that that one big speed figure she ran in the Lava Dodd was with the benefit of a racetrack that was playing to speed in the inside, which she took advantage of. So not quite sure that she stacks up against these. I would have liked to see her do a bit more running last time, but it is arguable that she's getting into a much softer spot here. And sometimes that can wake up horses that have a bit of back class. Yeah, I, I wish she had done a little more running last time without question. I thought Mashney Girl was very interesting. I picked Mashney Girl shortening up. Obviously, it's been a rough go for Mark Hennig this summer, but uh, this is a filly who I think has run respectably against better competition. I don't necessarily love speed cutbacks, but I'm hopeful that she gets kind of that, that stalking trip that uh, that might end up giving her the jump on some of the horses that are going to be moving later. The speed in here is also very suspect, so I, I don't know 
it'll be very interesting to see how the first couple of furlongs of this race goes and ultimately how the last couple go, because I think depending on who shows speed, you know, maybe Gaffalione with the blinkers going on, Eloquent Speaker, they're a little bit more aggressive. Secret Love really wants to do some of her best running from a little bit off of it. So the, the race within the race to see who gets to the front will be very interesting. Let's go to the final of the three New York Red Stakes races, which is the Evan Shipman. It is now at a mile on the main track. I can tell you that the connections of Seafoam were not pleased to find this race shortened up to a mile. They thought like the mile and an eighth was every bit of his advantage. It's drawn a really nice field. Bankett is back, and he, of course, won the commentator back in 2021, and his limited forays into New York Red Company has performed exceptionally well. And then you have Tiergen, who uh, just won a, a two other then for the uh, – for different connections, and now is a first off the claim as one of the choices here. Fun race this Evan Shipman. I think it is a fun race. Uh, we've got some horses in here that have posted some very nice speed figures over the past year or so. Uh, like you're saying, Seafoam trying to win this for the second year in a row, although obviously at a different distance and configuration. I mean, Bankett is the horse to beat based on his best races. Uh, he uh, you know, has run against New York Reds a number of times over the past few seasons, has posted some gigantic speed figures on occasion, particularly when he won that commentator back in May of 21. Haven't seen him that much since then. A couple of open company starts in this country, a big layoff in there from you know, last, last summer over to February of this year at Oaklawn. Uh, they shipped him over to the Godolphin Mile, which seemed fairly ambitious for a horse of his quality, but uh, he actually ran okay in that race to pass a few horses to be sixth. Uh, he's coming back in the right kind of spot for him. I think that a mile is the perfect distance for him. We'll see how much pace he gets in this race. Uh, that's kind of to be determined, uh, but I just think he's a good fit. I just I just never like taking these horses coming off layoffs, shipping from overseas at relatively short prices, but I'm certainly not going to be surprised when he does well here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, he's a horse I've really had wrong for the majority of his career. I would have bet anything going into the latter part of 2020 that he was going to be most effective sprinting. And, and you know, one-turn races, one-turn miles, seven furlongs, things like that. I really did not like his chances going long. And then in that Alex M. Rob, which kind of, sadly, I know for you, kind of signaled the beginning of the end for Mr. Buff, he <laughs> won that race so comfortably and, and it made it clear at that point that he could go long really without issue. And I'm sure changing him a little bit because he had run well going two turns in the past, but it had been at Oakland. You know, it hadn't really been against New York Red Competition. So yeah, he he's turned into something very impressive in my opinion. I, I've I've been I've been pretty taken by what he's done, especially in the New York bred ranks. I do think I echo everything you said. The, the draw is ideal. He should be in a decent spot. I think Seafoam will be able to get the lead. It's going to be just a matter of how hard Luis Saez uses there as a storm brewing out of the gate. Seafoam's pretty fast. The layoff is obviously not a, a great situation. This is a horse who they didn't plan on keeping off until August of this year, but had a couple of little things go on. You know, he's run exceptionally well at Saratoga and some of one of those was actually for Michelle John Julio. The rest, of course, for Christoph Clement. He's a multiple stakes winner at Saratoga. So, you know, there are a lot of expectations. I think if Bankett runs his race, he'll be much too tough to beat. Do you think that the claim and returning quickly for Tiergen, I mean, Tiergen's last win was by a mile, but it was against a, a pretty, pretty woeful field. Can he come back this quickly and win? Yeah, I think if Bankett doesn't show up for whatever reason, uh, that it opens up the race a little bit. And I mean, it's no guarantee that Bankett can still run. I mean, we have not seen him run the kind of race that uh, you know, we're lauding him for since July of 2021, over a year ago. So, I mean, there are questions about that favorite. Uh, but as for Tiergen, yeah, I mean, 
when he's feeling good, he's pretty tough to beat. I mean, he can post a speed figure that rivals the you know the best of Bankett's numbers. It's just we've primarily seen him do that against weaker competition. He's the kind of horse that likes to be a you know the big fish in the small pond. He doesn't always uh, replicate those performances when he steps up against tougher competition. And we'll see what we get from him off the claim. Uh, you know, trainer William Morey has done okay with some claims, but mostly going back to over the winter at Aqueduct, we haven't seen him have as much success since then in New York. So uh, with Irad Ortiz, you know, retaining the mount on this guy, I imagine he's going to take some money in this race. He's got that, uh, you know, appealing record going the distance and at Saratoga. Uh, so I was a little bit against Tiergen here coming back on the short rest, but I mean, he's obviously a horse that has the credentials. I did put Seafoam on top in this race. You know, there was a lot of discussion about how this Wilson shoot was going to play when they started running races uh, at it going, uh, you know, at the beginning of this meet. And there was so much discussion about how you wanted to be or needed to be on the rail to have success in these races. And I think if anything, the opposite is true. If you're a speed horse, you want to be outside because it gives you the opportunity to kind of put the squeeze on the horses that are breaking towards the inside if you have that gate speed. So I think the Kendrick Carmouche is going to take full advantage of that situation with Seafoam. He's a horse that is quick enough to get to the front end here. I mean, there is a storm brew and does have some speed, but I don't really view him as the kind that uh, you know is going to be you know gunning out of the gate to retain the front end here. I just think Seafoam, you know, he has some questions to answer with the layoff and everything that you mentioned, but he's coming into this race with uh, his typical uh, impressive series of workouts. Uh, he's run well fresh in the past, not not all the time, but on a, on a few occasions. And uh, like you said, he's got that record at Saratoga. I'm not that concerned about the cutback in distance. I don't think, I know he's had some success going a mile and an eighth, but I don't think that he's a horse that you need to pigeonhole that can only go the two turns. He's been uh, successful going one turn in the past. And I just think he makes enough sense in this race and he'll be I think the third choice so that's good enough for me yeah I totally agree I think I think he'll be the third choice and I think he is the main speed so we'll see if he's ready off the bench I only mentioned one of the three a uh, one two three finishers from the Saginaw it just looked like a, a bit of a lesser race to me on closing day at Belmont and uh, did you did you have any regard for market alert or or Brooklyn strong not, not really. I mean, I agree. That was a lesser race. It was nice to see Market Alert get a stakes win. He's been kind of an overachiever for a long time now. So nice to see uh, his trainer get a victory with him. But uh, this seems like a much tougher spot. Yeah, I agree. I think Jimmy Ryerson, one of those guys that does a good job. You don't necessarily see it in the percentages, but he is often overmatched in a lot of the races his horses are in, but they perform well. Well, that's a look at all three stakes races, the Union Avenue, John Morrissey, and Evan Shipman for Friday afternoon. What David and I are going to do now is go through some of the divisions for the New York Thoroughbred Breeders Awards, which will be announced on Friday night. He and I uh, joked off air that these races were run. These horses' performances were so long ago that we had to refamiliarize ourselves with uh, a lot of what they did. One category stuck out, and we can start with that one because I think this one will be pretty easy. Will be champion three-year-old male. The first name on the list of uh, ten nominees is American Revolution. David, I smoked out American Revolution to win this award. Yeah, that seems like uh, he's a pretty strong favorite to do so. I mean, he's got uh, a grade one victory. So uh, in the New York bread categories, that makes you a pretty likely winner of these. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was just uh, a horse that kept improving with every start last year. I mean, as soon as they stretched him out in distance, or really since he came into Todd Pletcher's barn, he just 
kept progressing, won that New York Derby at Finger Lakes, then was so impressive in the Albany at Saratoga, kind of stamping himself as a horse that could post some pretty fast speed figures. And they took some some shots with him in some tougher spots, like that Pennsylvania Derby was not disgraced at all. And his last two performances of the year in that Empire Classic and the Cigar Mile were just awesome. Uh, and he's he's proven himself to be you know among the best handicapped horses in the country. I, I was kind of hoping we get to see him in the Whitney last week, but his connections decided to uh, look for a softer spot for him, I guess. But uh, no, he, he's a nice horse and would be a deserving winner of that award. Yeah, I, I agree. This is not too much of a, of a random aside, but just and, and it's it's a difficult thing to do because you never know what could have happened maybe differently. I think he would have done okay in the Whitney last week, the way it unfolded. I'm not saying he would have run life as good down, but I think he would have at the very least been second. Yeah, I, you know, frankly, I was thinking about picking him in the race before I was kind of hearing some of those quotes about him potentially not running, uh, which I guess you could take one of two ways. I mean, maybe, you know, the same ownership group doesn't want their lesser regarded horse to beat the most expensive horse than they have in the barn. I mean, that's probably a concern. I mean, you don't want to, you know, risk the value of a horse like life is good, I suppose. But uh, I don't know. It's softening the road for him to get to the end of the year. It seems uh, not really sporting to to make those decisions. And uh, I don't know where they're planning to run American Revolution. Uh, I guess it makes sense that they're not running him in one of these races on Friday at Saratoga because he would have been a heavy favorite in there, uh, though he could have. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'll look forward to wherever he runs next because I thought he, he ran very well in that foster. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, uh, I think, e- and even taking the wrong thing to do is take Olympiad's performance and hold it against anybody else from that foster. Um, I do think American Revolution ran very well. Hopefully we'll see him in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. I would think that would make sense as maybe a next landing spot. The category of champion two-year-old male, we had eight nominees for this division headed by the winner of the Sleepy Hollow Shipsational. Uh, David, I know you took a look at the list as well. There were a couple of turf runners on there, including Dakota Gold and Coinage, both of whom won turf races against Open Company. When push came to shove, who did you think would uh, would win this award? Yeah, this is kind of a tough one. Uh, I mean, Senbei had a nice year for Christophe Clement. Uh, I think he won a race at Finger Lakes. Uh, he won that stakes at Saratoga as well. Uh, Shipsational, though, I mean, he seems like uh, a good candidate to do to win the award. I mean, I thought that that Sleepy Hollow he won was actually a decent race, uh, came back relatively fast uh, for whatever that's worth. Uh you know, we're not supposed to really take into account what they accomplished as three-year-olds, but obviously he proved some of his class against Open Company at Tampa. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess Dakota Gold also makes some sense. He did win that half a million dollar now, now, now at Monmouth uh, prior to going off the somewhat surprising favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf through an, uh, you know, an unusual, unfortunate series of events. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine it comes down to horses like uh, Dakota Gold and Shipsational. Yeah, I, I would think so. I think Shipsational beating Senbei in their lone head-to-head matchup, which came in the Bertram Bongard, and then coming back to win the Sleepy Hollow would be enough to put him over the top. Hopefully he is recuperating and we see him again soon. The two-year-old Philly division was headed by uh, a horse who I think will uh, pretty obviously win this award. Maybe not quite as obvious as American Revolution, but pretty close. And, and I will say that when Venti Valentine broke her maiden, that was a day where I felt like the inside was very good at Belmont. And Venti Valentine was the horse that I wondered if maybe negated the inside bias because she was so wide. When she broke her maiden, she got up from an outside post. She came back and not only won the maid of the mist, but ran an incredible second to nest in the demoiselle. This this one looks like a fait accompli. 
Yeah, her accomplishment in that demoiselle against open company of graded stakes foes, I think, gives her the edge here over the horse that would probably be her main competition for this award, Classy Edition, who did win a couple of New York bred stakes races and uh, is a nice horse in her own right, but uh, did not uh, accomplish the same against open company like Venti Valentine did. So I agree. I would imagine that Jorge Abreu trainee uh, would have the advantage there. Worth mentioning, they were Stallion Series races, but Yo Cuz won a couple of stakes races towards the end of the year. You brought up Classy Edition, who was a very impressive Saratoga maiden winner, and then came back and acquitted herself nicely in a couple of stakes tries. So no shame in the, the campaign for Classy Edition. On to the champion three-year-old Philly. I did, I would say, maybe a little bit more digging to make sure I was right on this one. But uh, we had seven nominees in this division, which includes Secret Love, who's running in the uh, Union Avenue on Friday afternoon. She will not win this award. By Hubby Hello Money won the Fleet Indian. She was one that was nominated, but uh, it was actually the Philly that she beat in the Fleet Indian Make Mischief to me that likely looked like the best in this group. Yeah, I think Big Mischief just had one New York bread stakes win last year, but it was kind of her placings in some tougher spots that makes her a little bit of a standout in this race. I mean, she was, I think, grade one placed in the Acorn, uh, and that kind of gives her a leg up on her competition, which really didn't prove the, their themselves against some tougher open company competition and, and make mischief. I mean, she's just a likable horse. Uh, she ran well in almost every spot they ran her in last year. Some things didn't go quite right in a few races. Arguably, she should have won that fleet Indian after kind of a, an issue at the start that day. Uh, but uh, she's just a nice horse who I think would make a lot of sense to, to get this award. Yeah, her three-year-old campaign, which was very busy, um, all things considered, especially by modern standards, included a win in the Maddie May. She was third, as you mentioned, in the Acorn, third in the Eight Bells. She finished second in the Fleet Indian and third in the Empire Distaff. The Empire Distaff winner we'll talk about in just a bit, but a champion older dirt mail for this uh, particular division. We had seven nominees, which included Bankett, who's running in the Evan Shipman, <clears throat> sorry, on uh, Friday afternoon as well. Captain Bombastic, your personal favorite, Mr. Buff. My boy Tate is nominated in this uh, category. So too, New York Traffic, Our Last Buck, and Seafoam. This is actually a tough group. Who, do, who would you lean towards in here? And I, and I understand if, you know, it might just be kind of a tepid lean. Yeah, I mean, I maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but I kind of feel like what Mr. Buff did in the first half of the year gives him a bit of an advantage here. He did win a couple of stakes races. I think the the Jazzle was uh, open, uh, both the Jazzle and the Stymie were open company races. Um, and he did finish that uh, decent third in the Westchester against graded stakes competition. I know more was expected of him that day, but I mean, I think that still gives him a slight advantage over some others in here. Uh, I have to... I could actually just pull up my PPs to look at uh, the resume of Bankett. I mean, he's another one who uh, would be deserving. He does have that grade three placing in the Mammoth Cup from last year. A very impressive winner of the commentator. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's got a, a stakes win out of town. So I think it's probably between those two. I could understand people kind of leaning towards Bankett. He was the one that sort of uh, ended his campaign in better form. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where it'll ultimately go. Um, New York traffic did have multiple wins against New York breads, but he seemed like a, a better fit in the sprinter category, um, given that mm -hmm. he didn't, I don't think he had a win at any kind of distance. So, and Seafoam only had the one New York bread win, which came in the Evan Shipman 
at Saratoga, so I, I don't really think he's much of a candidate. New York traffic was uh, indeed two for two against New York Reds. Did have the graded stake placing as well in the Salvatore Mile, where he was beaten at nine to ten by a seventy-three to one shot. Um, not that that matters terribly much. I think I'd probably lean towards Bankett or Mister Buff as well. The champion older dirt female division had six nominees, and you know this is one of those where I always complain in the Breeders' Cup, after the Breeders' Cup, when the Eclipse Award conversation starts and people put everything on the Breeders' Cup and, and you'll see horses win certain divisional honors because they won a Breeders' Cup race. Well, this sort of works out that way, I think, with Sharp Star because when everybody lined up essentially in the same race, she won. She won the Empire Distaff at 16 to 1. I think that's probably enough to put her ahead of the rest of the group here, mainly because nobody else accomplished all that much in any type of, of, of scenario, that was at least my thought. Uh, I could see looking at it that way. Uh, she just kind of is that one hit wonder a little bit, but she has another, a couple other stakes placings that I guess bolster her resume a little bit. Uh, Mrs. Orb has a couple of stakes wins, but she also disappointed in some spots where uh, she probably could have sewed up an award like this. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I would kind of lean towards those two and I get giving the edge to Sharp Star. The others, uh, you know, they they have a win or two on the resumes, but I'm I'm not quite sure that they have the credentials to really be considered to, you know, to top a horse like Sharp Star. Yeah, I mean, Dancing Kiki, you know, one one stake win in the Saratoga Do at Saratoga, which is not going to do it. Ice Princess only ran against New York Breds a couple times, mainly ran in allowance races. I'll tell you, I was a little surprised that Bank Sting wasn't nominated for this category because she won the critical eye. She actually won a stallion series race later in the year. She finished fifth in the empire distaff. Um, so I'm, I would have expected her to be on this list. I don't know if she would have won, but she would have at least been in the conversation. Champion turf mail is a fun division. And there are horses in this group that really have performed well, not only against New York reds, but against open company as well. You have the winner of the grade three forbidden apple in Rinaldi. Some like it hot Brown was third in the uh, Shadwell turf or the race formerly known as the Shadwell turf mile cross borders been competitive in open company stakes races for years as a multiple graded stake winner. City Man also had a terrific campaign. I don't know how much I want to decide who wins this division. I just want all six of these horses in the gate together and see what happens. Yeah, I know. This has been a strong division for many, many years. And uh, some of these horses have competed against open company, particularly Cross Border, who typically has that uh, awesome summer at Saratoga. Not quite uh, this, not quite so much this year when he's an eight-year-old. It seems like he's tailing off a little bit. But uh, he did so last year when he uh, was the uh, winner of the grade two Bowling Green. Uh, he uh, finished, I, I believe, third in the grade one Pegasus World Cup turf, as well as the Sword Dancers. So it seems like cross border has the graded stakes credentials to possibly take this one. But I mean, some like it hot Brown when he does run against New York breads, uh, he's always tough in those races. And I think he, he did achieve one of those victories last year, but I think I'd have to lean towards his stablemate cross border. Yeah. Cross border, uh, cross borders resume in 2021 includes, as you said, a win in the bowling green. Um, he had a bunch of in the money finishes prior, including the Pegasus world cup turf, the Pan American, and then he finished third in the Sword Dancer. He lost the Mohawk to some like it hot brown. So I guess it depends on how much you want to put specifically on that race. The other race that factors into the division is the uh, West Point, which came at Saratoga, which was won by City Man, who, of course, had a very good campaign in his own right and is a horse with a lot of accomplishments. He's really distinguished himself more in 2022. And of course, we're not using that as one of the gauges here. But uh, yeah, I could actually see voting for really any of those three more specifically, I think the, the two Mike Maker runners that uh, 
that kind of stand out. City, City Man's resume included the win in the West Point. He finished third in the Ashley T. Cole and third in the Mohawk. The Ashley T. Cole was a race that was taken off the turf, so you can't really hold that against him. So any of those three are fine with me, no doubt about it. Honorable mention to Rinaldi, who had a very good campaign himself, winning the Forbidden Apple and then getting really caught up in a massive speed duel in the uh, West Point. I, I remember reading or seeing somewhere that, that Jimmy Bond was really pissed about the ride on uh, one of those Mo horses. Mo Ready? I think, yeah, Mo Reddy. I think that was it, yeah. The only rabbit in that race. Yeah, went like a crazy pace, and and I don't know exactly who he was trying to set up, but it obviously didn't do anything to help Rinaldi. Rinaldi had had a lot go his way prior, so I'm not going to – my heart's not going to break too much for him. On to the Champion Turf female division, and we had a three-year-old run really well throughout 2021. Unfortunately, she has not come back and been as effective in 2022, and I'm talking about Runaway Rumor, who was an open company stakes winner – the, the sort of, of main players in this division for the older horses were My Heart Belongs to Daddy and Giacosa. My Heart Belongs to Daddy won multiple stakes races throughout the year. Giacosa beat her at Saratoga in the Yaddo. Did you think it came down to those, David, or did you have another thought? I think it kind of comes down to the two half-sisters, uh, My Heart Belongs to Daddy and Runaway Rumor from that uh, excellent uh, Larry Goitschman dam uh, elusive rumor. Uh, yeah, My Heart Belongs to Daddy. She won those two New York bread stakes. Uh, did get absolutely perfect trips in uncompetitive pace situations doing so, though I know we're not really supposed to factor that into these awards. The horses accomplished what they accomplished. But I probably would have to lean towards that three-year-old Philly Runaway Rumor. I mean, just running consistently well against Open Company. Did have one stakes win uh, against Open. And uh, just based on some performances and some tougher spots, I think uh, she would have the edge here. Yes, of course. And you mentioned Elusive Rumor, who now has yet another runner that we can look forward to seeing coming up. My Heart Belongs to Daddy's resume included uh, a win in the John Hettinger last year. Um, she did have very things go very favorably. So the, wait, the year that she won all those races with ridiculous pace setups, was that 20? Uh you know, I'm, I'm looking at this again. You might be right about that. Uh, I, I think it, I think it was, but still, I think finishing second in the Yaddo and winning the Hedinger might be enough. And you, but what you're saying, runaway rumors races, I think as a whole last year were more impressive. And so I, I would actually, I would favor her for the open company angle. But yeah, I would have bet anything that those were last year. They actually yes, were in 2020. You are, you are correct about that. Yeah, she won the Yaddo in Ticonderoga in just absolutely ridiculous fashion. Last year's Ticonderoga was won by Classic Lady, if I'm not mistaken, yes. for Christoph Clement, Michael Dubb et al. Um, she is a horse, actually, who ran well throughout her career. Not quite of the caliber, I think, of some of the better ones in this division. But, yes, she did win that Ticonderoga. That's right. That was when they split up the turf New York bread races and the the dirt ones because it was going to rain a lot the prior weekend. Classic Lady won, and the nine to the four to five favorite was Barkin coming in from Canada, who I think I bet and did not run very well. <laughs> on to the champion male sprinter category. We have a few uh, that we're going to see compete on Friday afternoon, including New York traffic and my boy Tate. Here's New York traffic's division, right? You would think so. Uh, he won the race that was most important uh, that October. What it was? Uh, the Hudson. That? The Hudson, yes. Yeah. Uh, was an impressive winner that day by, I think, over eight legs and uh, had plenty of nice performances against uh, some tougher competition. So it feels like feels like he'd have to be the favorite here. Not that the others did, didn't accomplish some nice things. I mean, Foolish Ghost was that uh, impressive winner of the Morrissey over the summer when he was briefly in great form. Uh, our last buck and my boy Tate, those Michelle Nevin trainees. I mean, they uh, competed nicely in some stakes races, but it does feel like New York traffic might have the edge here. 
Yeah, exactly. Honorable mention to my boy Tate, who you just brought up, who had an open company win at Parks, as well as a win in the Lou Reed Memorial, finished a good second in one of the New York Stallion Series events late in the year at Aqueduct. The final division that we will discuss is the champion female sprinter, which actually, despite having some really cool horses, and it actually ends up being a pretty easy one with the important one. Yeah, she won the uh, important race uh, towards the end of the year in that Iroquois. Uh, just got into great form since they switched her back to dirt over the summer. Uh, I believe may- maybe even an off-the-turf race uh, that she ended up running on the dirt and uh, just was on a bit of a win streak for a little while, was in great form for a few months, and won uh, the race that really counted. Yeah, won the Iroquois, as David is alluding to. Came back and finished third in a New York Stallion Series race that was won by Bankstein, uh, but and actually came back this year, uh, the important one did, and ran second in the Dance and Renee. She was training recently, but looks to have stopped training, which is too bad, hoping that we would see her come back at some point, hopefully maybe a little bit down the line. That is a look at all of the categories for the New York Thoroughbred Breeders Awards, which will be announced on Friday night. Hopefully you have stayed with us for the entire program to hear David and I opine on some of these categories. You have to be pretty dedicated to New York racing. The good thing is he and I are, so this was not difficult for us whatsoever. David, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Obviously a big fan of your work and have been for a while. Looking forward to the remainder of the meet. Yeah, I always enjoy talking about these New York Red horses, so thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks again to David Aragona and thank you to the New York Thoroughbred Breeders Incorporated for their sponsorship and their participation on the In The Money Media Network. Look forward to another edition of this series of podcasts, which will take place in a couple of weeks on Travers Eve. Don't sleep on the day before the Travers. New York breads get a little time in the sun as well. Thanks again to David and to the New York Thoroughbred Breeders. Until next time, best of luck.